0: Okay, okay folks, uh, let's make a start and uh, guys it's just great to get together, I I know I said this a few times before but I'm going to say it again, I just love Sundays, I just love it, I love getting up and I love getting here and I love church, I love family, I love meeting up with people that I know and journeying life with you folks and you have to know that it is an absolute privilege and pleasure to be your pastor. It is something that in this year, as we've been uh, speaking about growing up and growing as a church and growing as individuals, for me personally, because at the end of the day, the church only grows when we all grow, isn't that right? Okay, and, and for me, one of the things that I just sense God's been putting on me is, is, is just growing into the authority that God has entrusted to me and to Chantel, who sends her love to you this morning, that we would just step into that and that we would grow and we'd flourish and we just love it. We absolutely love leading and seeing life come to you guys. It is just a privilege. And If you're our guest here this morning, again, you come uh, to a people who are just so excited about God and what he's doing in us, but through us. And that's the key, folks. This is not, this is not the final deal. This thing here that we talk about in terms of church gathered is just part of it and when Paul writes to the people in Ephesians he's writing to a church and the letters for the church and it's about the church and it's about how they would do life with each other as he's established this new people but he also speaks in a way that it's not just for us it's not just for these four walls it's for our community it's for our town and that is why we exist that we would go and we would just share what God has done for us what God is doing for us with a broken, hurting world outside the four walls. And so uh, we want to just come into land this morning. Uh, As Paul is coming to land, he's writing the end of chapter 6 of this fantastic letter to the people of Ephesians. And if you have uh, missed any of these, they are all online. And uh, get onto our church website and you can listen to them again and miss whatever bits that you have um, missed. That would be fantastic. We spoke on the last couple of weeks about how, uh, how a husband and wife is meant to be married together and how they would honor one another in that. We spoke last week about parents and how we are to care for our children and uh, grow them and to uh, encourage them and urge them in the Lord. And this week, um, Paul speaks to the Ephesians um, about the battle in which we are in and to give us the tools in what we need to stand strong. So, um, Leah, would you come? Um, Sorry to stop you there. Were you checking Facebook or were you? Oh, you've got it there ready. I feel really mean now. (laughs) You've got it there ready to go. You're amazing. I thought you were texting someone or checking your no great okay would you like to now i feel really bad oh don't do that (laughs) don't do that you did that to me last week do you want to read from there or read from there that's fine fine. is that okay you don't even know about this do you No. no good
1: so finally be strong in the lord and in his mighty power
0: Give her a round of applause. Wasn't it, great? Well done you. Thank you. God, our loving Heavenly Father, sends us into battle. Just, just imagine that. Like, I, I'm a dad and I wouldn't send my kids into battle yet. And yet God, our Heavenly Father, he sends us into battle. But he doesn't leave us on our own. He gives us, he imparts to us what we need to stand strong in the battle and to win the battle and to win battle after battle after battle that would bring glory to his name. And Paul knows this well. Paul, as he's speaking, as he's writing to the people in Ephesus, he gives them uh, all these different things, all these elements of armor. He uses the picture, the imagery of a Roman soldier in order to declare to the people these are the things that we would do well to stand strong because ultimately life is a battle. We are at war. We have an enemy who is against us. He is an enemy who is against God and because we love God, those of us who know Jesus and profess him as Lord and Savior, we are at war with an enemy. And the thing is, if we try and fight the battle on ourselves and our own strength as we prayed earlier, we're going to fail every time. We will fail. And I do sense that some of us, we just feel beat up right now. And part of that is because we are not standing strong in his mighty power. Because Paul said to the Philippians, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And Paul knows that we're at war. And he urges us to stand strong in his power, but he gives us what we need. We need to put on the armor. Now, folks, the Ulster rugby team went to battle yesterday against the mighty Saracens. And before you shoot me down as an Englishman and all that sort of stuff, you need to know that my allegiance was very much with the Ulster team. Even though Saracens is probably the closest team to where I'm from, I go as far as supporting my local team here, Ulster. But in terms of the Red Rose and the Shamrock, my allegiance will never change. <laughs> and uh, like many of you, I was, I was saddened uh, with the result of yesterday. But folks, before they went into battle, as both teams would have done, they would have prepared themselves. They would have known their enemy, and they would have prepared themselves for battle. They would have eaten the right things and hydrated. Some of them like to wear shoulder pads. Some of them wear their the scrum cap. Some tape their ears, tape their wrists, tape their knee, tape everything. Some of them need to be taped up just to hold everything together, to be frank. But they would have prepared themselves as before they went into battle. And God sends us into battle, but he doesn't send us without being prepared. And we need to prepare ourselves. Now, here's the thing. In every good children's ministry, they do the full armor, Right? You've probably stuck them up on your fridge at home—the colouring-in picture of all the bits and bobs. Maybe you've got cardboard cut-out shields and swords and what have you, and that's great entertainment. Well, for grown-ups, we are going to go one better because this morning we have a real-life, grown, dressed Roman soldier for you. Well, indeed? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. Got it? god's enemy is satan and he's therefore our enemy and peter writes about the enemy like this your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour and john refers to satan as the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy it's his job it's what he does and you see the only way to attack god is through his people but Every battle Satan sends our way is an opportunity for Jesus to have the victory. And so in preparation for the Ulster match yesterday, they would have had a team of people, they would have had a number of coaches that would have analyzed their enemy, the Saracens. And they would have looked at their ways that they play and their key players and and their recent games and what have you and they break it down and they look for their strengths and they look for their weaknesses. It's a bit like, you know, playing tennis or playing badminton. I'm not particularly good at racket sports and but I know that if I play someone, chances are the backhand's gonna be pretty weak. And so I'm gonna exploit that. I'm just gonna put it onto the backhand. If they're right handed, it's over this this sort of direction. I'm gonna put it there every time because it's about knowing your opponent. And we too need to know our opponent, the enemy. Now I'm not saying we need to know him personally like But we need to know his ways, and we need to know what he's like. We need to know how he comes and he attacks and robs and kills and destroys. Now, I'm in danger of making this into a spiritual warfare kind of sermon, which is maybe for a later date. But I do want us just to think just for uh, about 60 seconds. These are some of the ways in which Satan does come against us. He'll go after your weakness. He knows where you're weak. He knows that. And for you, it could be this, for you, it could be that. And because all of us, we have our own kind of weaknesses, our own little places where the enemy will seek to exploit. And he often plays on things of the past, things that happened either of your own doing or things that were done to you in your past, and he'll exploit that, and he'll go after that. And we need to come before the Lord to allow God to actually heal that part in us from our past. He takes uh, truths and twists them. He's the father of lies. He takes something that is truthful and he slightly just kind of twists it in a way that's so, so subtle and it's one of the ways that he does. He creates situations that produce fear in us and he'll create circumstances. Very often when we're children and there's something to be aware of as adults, as parents, is the ways in which which we prayerfully and mindfully care for our children is The enemy knows what the God-given thing is on our children, what makes our children our children and what the strength is going to be and will sow fear into them as a child to prevent them when they're in their adult lives. And we need to uh, be mindful and discerning of of that. He whispers lies into our minds and gives us unwanted thoughts that can be disturbing and uh, not nice. And he makes us believe lies about ourselves and he's looking for us to agree with the lies that he sows into us. So we need the armor. When the day of evil comes means it's coming. We can't avoid it. You can't. You can run away from it. And here's one of the things that Christians do when you're feeling powerless and when you're feeling helpless, Christians run. They run for the hills. They run to places of safety. They run to things that provide security in them. But they become less effective. If you are going after God, if you are seeking to know him, to worship him, you're pushing the boundaries. Don't be surprised when the evil one comes. You're doing something great. The enemy is going to come after those who are going after God. And what often happens is Satan wants to just disable us and, and disempower us. And what we, what we can do is we can run away. We can just run away and not be effective for Jesus. And we can be absolutely uh, ineffective. And that's ultimately what Satan wants uh, for us, his people. The day will come. And we are called to stand. And we are called to to stand firm in his power and to fight the battle in which he has us in. And the thing is, we'll win the battle, but another day will come and another battle will come. And in that place and in that moment, and that time, we're called to stand and we're called to fight. And here's the thing, it's not in the notes, but it's just come to me there. We should not stand alone. We're going to dress a soldier in a moment. It's going to be so exciting. Oh, it's going to be brilliant. It's going to be like Mr. Ben. Remember Mr. Ben? Comes in and all the rest and this is it. Okay? But the soldier doesn't stand alone. He stands in rank with other soldiers. And if you're our guest here this morning, we are a people who do life together, who share our lives together, so that when the going gets rough and tough, we stand together because together we're stronger. And so here we are. I would like you to put your hands together for Stephanius Decimus McAllisterius. Come on up, here he is. Now as I was preparing for this, I, I thought who can we get who can we come on take the limelight over here it's where the lights are brightest Um, I thought who can we get who likes dressing up (laughs) and those of you are laughing you know that Stephen's the man for the job in fact I texted I was going to read out the text but I'll not I'll just paraphrase I was like Stephen would you come and do this for us he's like I need to vet the costume I vet all my costumes before I and I said, well, we want to do the Roman soldier thing. He said, that's no. You mean you want me to stand in front of people and be dressed up? I'm in. I'm your man. <laughs> so a Roman soldier would have worn a tunic. Uh, lots of the things that we have, they're the best that we could do. And they're not the most authentic, but they're the best that we could do. A tunic was the primary kind of outer clothing. And uh, you can see it's pretty baggy and... Uh, because the majority of ancient battle was close hand-to-hand kind of combat, it was important that this kind of bagginess was kind of tightened up. So um, can we have the belt of truth uh, which is coming? And the belt of truth uh, obviously comes around the waist and uh, the belt was in such a way that it actually helped that the breastplate which is about to come Uh, had a significant part with the belt and also the sword, the sword would have come through the belt and you'll see that slightly uh, in a minute and apparently, I don't think we need to do it with you today, but apparently the soldier would have kind of gathered all this stuff up and kind of tucked it in there as well to kind of keep it from sort of flapping around and uh, if you look there, that's uh, that's the, did I say something? It's, It's your mind. It's coming. So the belt of truth, that's what it would have looked like. And that would have had kind of dangly bits kind of in front of the dangly bits. And, uh, and that would have been there for a good reason to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we know why that was there. <laughs> Moving swiftly on, the spiritual moment. The belt demonstrates the believer's readiness for war and stands for truth. And knowing what is true and what is right and what is real is really, really important for us as Christians. And it is important that we know the truth. Jesus said uh, that he is the way, that he is the truth and he is the life. And it is important for us that we have a basic foundational Christian understanding and biblical truth so that we know and we can understand when a lie is... uh, That is present. That we know the truth, and a bit of a plug while we're there, is in our new uh, set of groups that start in the uh, in the summer term. We're going to be running a a course or a group called Christianity One Hundred and One, and it is a foundational uh, kind of beginner's basics understanding of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and that could be really useful for for a number of folks. But without knowing The basic biblical truth, you could be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every kind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in the deceitful scheming. That's what we read in Ephesians 4 a few uh, talks uh, ago. You see, the enemy is the father of lies, and we need to know the truth. And then we have the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate was a tough uh, sleeveless uh, piece of material and uh, it was often coated or covered uh, with metal or with leather or it would have been strong kind of linen and it's obvious reasons for being there is to protect the vital organs uh, in and around it. And when we become Christians, we give our lives to Jesus and we kind of get, you might have heard the phrase, we give our hearts to Jesus and the heart is the very center of who we are as a person. And that's our declaration to Jesus, that's our surrender to him. But the enemy who's coming to kill uh, and destroy is after our hearts, he's after that bit and he's wanting allegiance with him. And so the breastplate of righteousness is uh, what protects the heart. And the righteousness, this breastplate could not have been put on by themselves. There's usually a backplate that goes with it and an armor bearer would have actually helped dress the soldier. It's not something that you can do by yourself, and there's something in that. The breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness means right with God, and we can only be right with God through the blood of Jesus. That's it. It's a righteousness that comes from him. It's not our own righteousness, and so many of us, we strive, don't we, to do the right thing, but we're doing it in our own power, and our own strength, and we'll fail all the time. We cannot put on righteousness by ourselves. Righteousness is put upon you and it's something that you wear and it's something that you carry through what Jesus has done. It's summed up in one word, grace, grace. It's it, believers, believers, believers of years, believers. It's grace, it's grace. We dress ourselves in his righteousness. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The average soldier would have marched for miles on rough, hot uh, roads, landscapes, jagged rocks, thorns through streams, rough ground, etc., etc. They're really, really interesting medieval kind of shoes. Um, Would you want some help from your armor bearer? They're way too small. Should we go for the flip flops again? Or just go barefoot. There's some funny looking shoes. But they're actually a better uh, description, better picture that you see up on the screen there. A kind of sandaly type thing with straps that w- might have even been strapped around the ankles. And on the soles of the feet, they would have had these kind of metal-like studs or nails that which would have stuck out of the sole. And they were there for grip, much like rugby boots or football boots give additional grip for the field. And the reason, obviously, is to protect the the soldiers feet especially in battle and especially along the landscape and the scenery of which they would need uh, to fight. Much like a soldier today, needs to look after their feet incredibly well. You get blisters as a soldier, you are pretty ineffective. And they are important, important elements of the armor. Readiness simply means that you are ready for battle and the readiness that comes through the gospel of peace, of peace. Those who know Jesus, you know his peace. You experience his peace. I know some of the things going on in our lives. It's not peaceful. It's disruptive. It's anxious. It's worrying. And a peace comes through knowing Jesus. And we carry a peace. You can go, be going through the storms of life and yet walk with an air of peace. And the thing is, wherever you go, wherever your feet take you, you bring peace. You bring peace to where it's needed. And it means that you can go to the darkest places, the most revolting places, but you can stand firm because of the gospel of peace. And you'll bring that. You'll be bearers and bringers of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows. The Roman soldiers would have had access to a number of shields. And uh, this is a shield that we have borrowed. we borrowed all these um, things from a group uh, called the Living History Group. If ever you go to the castle on those free days of the castle and you see them all dressed up, and all this, they've been very gracious to us and have lent us some of these things here. And uh, there's a number of different shields that you might have seen. The one again that we see up on the screen is much more authentic in terms of um, what we're talking about here. It would have been made of wood and coated with leather and metal and it would have been decorated in such a way that the decoration on the shield would have, would have um, kind of stood for the group or the legion of soldiers in which it represented. And very often the, the symbols on the shield would have been known by the enemy and wars or battles, should I say, were actually um, solved before, bat- that people actually went into battle. The enemy would have surrendered sometimes on the count of who they were up against and they would know who they were up against based upon what was painted on the shield. And so if we take up the shield of faith that God gives us and if it helps us to understand this in terms of symbolism with the cross the symbol we carry is the cross and the shield of faith and the cross is the one who'd already won the victory who'd already overcome sin and death so when we come into battle and we carry the shield of faith we carry the one who'd already won the battle for us now the Roman Shield was often in place, obviously, to protect against the sword, this kind of shield. These massive great shields that we see were often to protect against enemy arrows. Uh, arrows would have been, uh, the, the arrowhead would have been covered with like a fabric and then dipped in pitch and then lit and then fired and then on explosion, on impact, that fire would go, would spread and it would do much greater damage in terms of burns as well as the wounds caused. And so Paul is using this imagery the saint, Satan bombards mainly our minds with flaming arrows, and he does this by sewing, or firing arrows of temptation, of thoughts, and words spoken to us, words spoken by others. For me personally, one of the greatest battles I, I find in terms of the way the enemy comes against me is through thoughts. They're thoughts that enter into my head, and I'm just like, oh man, that's, that's grim, that's and that, that's not me. That doesn't resonate with me, I, I, that's, I don't like that. And we would do well as we carry the shield of faith to, to recognize and know that that thought is not you, it's certainly not God, but it's come from our enemy who sows that into us, because that's the battleground. Often this place here, that's the battleground. And God gives us the shield of faith that we would take it, we'd declare it, and when the enemy fires the arrows, we stand strong. We don't allow the arrow to penetrate and then mix all this up even more so. Okay, so we take up the shield of faith. And then we put on the helmet of salvation. And the purpose of wearing a helmet is obvious. It's to protect the head and to protect the brain inside. And a, a double-edged broadsword would have been used by cavalry men. And uh, this, this is the real deal, this one. Look at that. That's got the... the the real feathers and everything. That's a, is that, what you call that the plume? Is that right? What is this, Johnny? How many people would have served under this person? That's a centurion. So a hundred soldiers under this man here. He looks like a hundred soldier kind of man, doesn't he? Huh? <laughs> Definitely. And the helmet of is in place to protect uh, the head and the mind. And the, the, the dangerous things, the double-edged broadsword the double edge that Satan comes against our self and against our head, against our mind, are in two ways, discouragement and doubt. And Satan aims to discourage us through pointing at our failures, pointing at our weaknesses, our unresolved problems, and uses poor health, debt, unanswered prayers, and generally anything that's negative in our lives, that he would seek to discourage us. And doubt is what often brings about discouragement. Doubt about God truth, faithfulness and his goodness and all those things those negative things that are common and part and parcel of life Satan loves to create doubt in us. To make us think that God is not good. That God is responsible. And here's the truth. This is the truth. That God is good all of the time. And those things that come our door, come our way, that are negative, that you're like praying, God, why did that happen? Why is this happening to me? God is with you in those times. And he wants you to come to him, the source of life, the giver of grace, to stand with you. And so the, there are three aspects. I want to whiz through this, three aspects of salvation. The first is Justification. It is a past reality when we become a Christian. So Paul is really talking to those who are saved, those who there is salvation. When we become a Christian, there is salvation. It's past tense, no matter what. The second aspect of salvation is sanctification. And sanctification basically is this funny word that basically means being more like Jesus. So we're not free of sin, But as we grow closer to becoming like Jesus, as we come closer to Jesus, he changes our behavior and we become a, a greater degree of mastery over our sin. But the third one is the aspect of glorification. When one day, one day we will be free and we will be with him in glory forever and ever. And it's that aspect of the helmet of salvation that is the real strength of those who believe. If we lack hope in the future promise of salvation, we lose security in the present salvation that we are currently in. And the last is to take up the sword of the spirit. The sword was known as the Meshara and was usually between six and 18 inches long. Now this is a a gladius sword, I think and uh, is, the, is, the, is much better looking than that one there. And that would have been kind of the gladiator sort of sword that we've seen if you've seen the best film ever, ever made. Um, but this would have been much more like the sword that would have been carried by your typical Roman soldier, and it's just one blade on there, um, probably a wee bit shorter as well. And uh, the sword of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is our residing, who lives in us, truth teacher. Who reminds us the things that Jesus spoke of. Who speaks on behalf of the Father and of the Son and reminds us of the truth from the scriptures. So you're in a situation and you're praying and then suddenly that verse just pops into your mind. You're like, yes, that's it, that's it. That's the Holy Spirit who lives in you who's just reminding you of what the word teaches. But Paul also Um, explicitly says that the sword of the spirit is the word of God, the Bible, the very word of God. And now the sword is a defensive weapon capable of protecting. So if I had another sword and we're having a wee sword fight here, it's a defensive weapon because it's defending him from me hitting him, okay? And it's important that we know the word of God, that we know the scriptures, that we know the Bible to defend ourselves from the schemes of the evil one. That is played out spectacularly when Jesus is tempted three times by the devil. He hasn't had food for 40 days and the devil comes and tempts him three times. He says three things. And each time Jesus quotes the scriptures, quotes the word of God, the Bible. And it's like Satan comes against him. He's like, take this and take that and take the other. And then the devil left him. Jesus stands strong in that time and he stands strong on the word of God and it defends him. But the sword also being a defensive weapon is an incredibly offensive weapon as well. And like a trainee Roman soldier who would practice with wooden swords, like, much like our kids like to practice with plastic or cardboard swords, it is important that we train ourselves in our knowledge and understanding of the scriptures. That each of us take that responsibility for ourselves. And for those of us who do know the scriptures better, that is it is our responsibility to impart and to help train and to teach in a way that we all understand and grow in our exercising of this fatal, fatal weapon that God gives us. You see, sometimes I think, you know, we treat the Bible like a little Swiss army knife. A little blade, you know. It's like, look at that thing there. That is going to cause some damage. And handled well and handled correctly, the Bible can be an incredibly offensive weapon. The Word of God, um, it says in Hebrews, the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It has the power to transform lives. It changes sadness into joy, despair into hope, stagnation into growth, child, child, childishness into maturity, and failure into success. We would do well to know the scriptures. And pray in the spirit on all occasions. Be prayerful. Pray in English. Pray in tongues. We haven't got time to do any more on that. More. These. Are, these are, he's really coming into land right now. He's saying pray, 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 pray for me. And then the last bit there is just saying farewell. And I wanted to put that there so that we had done the whole of Ephesians, not that we're really going to go into detail because we're really running out of time, which is why I'm talking like an auctioneer rather than um, anything else. Well, give us one big... This is not, no, okay. This is our Roman soldier. Doesn't he look fierce? Unreal. Um, Do you want to head up to rockets and scare them? Yeah, go on. Go with him so he doesn't actually take someone's head off with that sword. Child protection and all that. (laughs) Folks, I, I really hope that this whole series has been beneficial to you. Uh, Again, go back and look over them. uh, uh, Personally, I've loved preparing and doing them. It's been absolutely fantastic. But ultimately, folks, the conclusion is this. We are in a battle. Life is tough. But God empowers us and gives us what we need to win the battle. And there are days, guys, I'll be honest with you. There are days, and I'm like, get me to glory. Get me there. Beam me up, Scotty. I'm going now. But God has us here on earth. And and instead of waiting in a departure lounge, ready for the flight to go, let's get on with it and let's get taking the ground. Because we have uh, what's that? He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. That's the truth. Instead of hiding around in our oh, cozy church, we've got to go, folks. We've got to go. But we go together. And we go in his great power. Have we a song? Could we do? Yeah, let's do that. That would be really good. Folks, if that has struck any chord, you want prayer, you want prayer because of what we talked about earlier, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you. Please don't go home struggling on your own. Right? Let us stand uh, with you. But why don't we stand together? Uh, One last time, we're going to worship Jesus Then we get our kids and get a coffee.